Welcome to the J-Rock Concerts Podcast. And, uh, you know, the, the, the events of what's happening in our country and in the world the past couple weeks, really, um, you know, they have caused me, like everybody else, to just pause and reflect. There's a lot of responsibilities behind the scenes with this podcast, and there's stuff I definitely want to get moving on and, and improve myself. Um, for racial inequality as a person and, and a lot to get moving on and only so much time in a day. Um, but as far as this podcast goes, there's definitely a space and a time for laughter and there's space and a time to hear interesting stories about other folks just to kind of um, maybe cleanse our palate, if you will, a little bit about a lot of what's going on out there. It doesn't mean we won't act on it. It just means it's nice to hear uh, stories and, and laugh a bit in times like this. Um, so having said that, you know, we're, we're pretty happy because the guest on this week's episode is a fantastic, fantastic comedian. She was super personable, just completely down to earth, felt like I've known her for years. Her name is Sarah Lawrence. She is an Australian descent. She's a model, comedian, and TV personality. She's best known as well for her role in the Australian future film Stone Bros, um, which you guessed it, it's kind of a, you know, a stoner flick, like Harold and Kumar Australian style. But she's had an amazing career, guys. She is um, basically in her 30s, and the stuff that she's done it's like three lifetimes. It's so unbelievable, everything she's done. She's been in Australia's Next Top Model. She's been a world-famous DJ. And now she's killing it in LA as a comedian, playing the comedy store regularly and all major festivals. So we're really happy to have Sora here today. Um, we hope you enjoy her life story. She tells us some really funny stuff about being pretty much deported from China and just her journey to, to today. Uh, Sarah has also been very active in the um, fight against inequality right now. This episode was uh, recorded before uh, the senseless murder of George Floyd, so we didn't touch on that subject, but I know for a fact she's been a leading um, agent for change on that regard. But for now, guys, um, enjoy this fantastic interview with Sarah Lawrence. <laughs> I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Perfect. Perfect. What's up? How are you doing? How's everything going? Um, I don't know. Um, just just chilling. I, I, I have no idea what's going on. I, I'm trying to get a nine to five. Um, yeah. But apparently you need a degree to, to answer a phone. So I, I have no idea what to do. And then when I'm just like, you know what? I've got to just get a nine to five. Then like something will trickle in. And so I'm, I, I'm just, 
I'm, I have no idea, but I'm, I'm good. <laughs> oh, man. Sarah, it's really, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure to have you here. We love your comedy and, um, and your whole career. It's a, it's like a, it's a trip. And, uh, we certainly, we certainly want to, want to get to that. But first, you know, let me ask you, like, how have the past, you know, two and a half, three months now almost be, been like for Sarah Lawrence? Well, the first, the first couple of weeks of quarantine was just me, like a, ty a like a tyrant on Instagram. Like I made it my full-time job to be like, Hey everyone, Stay inside. What are you doing? And um, got a, got a kind of a reputation as being like a, a bit of a hard ass because I was like, everyone needs to stay inside. Just do what you're told, and then we can get out earlier. And nobody did. And now here we are, three months later. So the first couple of weeks was just me doing that, focused on that. Um, then once that once that was done, I then had to make the heartbreaking decision to shut my business down. Not not shut it down, but like move from my spider. I had a massive warehouse, and I was like. I wrote out April and then um, halfway through April, I was like, you know what? I, uh, this is not going to work. So I ripped the bandaid off and within like three, four days, I had contacted my landlord, got out of my lease, went to the warehouse, packed everything away, put it in storage and kind of was like, well, that's it. So um, sorry to hear that. That's okay. I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, there's no events. So what, what am I, what am I supposed to do? Every single one of my events got uh, rescheduled to 2021. Right. So I'm like, why would I be hemorrhaging money on this warehouse space that I'm not even using um, when I could just throw it in storage for a quarter of the amount, less yeah. than a quarter of the amount. And even if like, let's just say everything comes back in two months, I say four grand. Mm. So I don't know. I, <laughs> It, honestly, it was a, it was a really shitty, hard decision, but it was yeah. the only decision that I could make. So I felt okay with it because I was like, well, I don't have a choice. Yeah. So here we are. Um, I don't know. Okay. Okay. And of course, like we're talking about your, your DJ activities or please tell us a little bit about, about that. Oh, sorry. Yeah. So um, I own a, it's a bartending, mobile bartending company. Yes. And we go out to um, weddings and corporate events and stuff like that and set up the entire bar area from scratch. So I've got big wooden bars and we make craft cocktails. Yeah. Um, really good looking cocktails, by the way. Like, makes, makes you, what's that? That's my home bar and then above it, there. Yeah, okay. There. Okay, That's yeah. photo of my actual bar. <laughs> okay. At an event. It's probably very blurry. But, very good. Uh, no, no, good. Yes. Yeah, so, so everything's set up from the ground up completely from scratch. So even down to like trash cans and floor mats, like I bring absolutely everything. So yeah. that's why I had such a big space to, to house it all. And sure. Because now I have five bars. So technically I can go and do five events on the same day. And wow. um, that's the one that I like shut down. So. Yeah. Right. Well, it'll be back because if there's one thing, if there's two things people like are, to get wasted and with good looking cocktails. Right. So it'll and be back. People are going to get married. People are always going to get married. So. Or divorced. Or divorced. And then. Divorce parties too. You know? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> oh, that's great. Sarah. That's well, best of luck with that. Uh, so yeah, I want to ask about your childhood real quick. I mean, I want to, I want to start at the beginning because your story is just, it's fascinating. So you were born and raised in Perth. Mm -hmm. uh, in Western Australia, uh, which, uh, you know, most of us have been to maybe Sydney and Melbourne and that was far as it was from, from us. Um, Perth is actually 
has a nickname as the most isolated city in the world. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so just kind of want to ask you, like, what was growing up in Perth like? Well, it's a, it makes it sound worse than it is. There's millions of people there. It's not like, you know, when they say the most isolated city in the world, it's just because Australia is so big. And then on one side of Australia, you have, because we only have a few states. We don't have 50 states like America does. But on one side, there's like a couple of cities up here and then Perth is like down here. And so when they say the most isolated city in the world, it just means that the next city is like a day away kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? Where it's yeah. like, yeah, so it's it's still like it's fine, um, but it was great, and I didn't I didn't want to leave, but I was trying to oh well I was playing basketball first, so I started playing basketball when I was like five. Okay, and that was always my focus, and that was what I was going to do, and um, like Olympics the whole lot, and right when I was getting really 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 good, and I was like winning awards and stuff, I broke my pelvis, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like well. Cool. That dream's shattered. Um, so then I was always doing like, uh, my mom is a speech and drama teacher. So in the background, I was always like acting and in the school play or whatever. And I was doing drama lessons with her and with other people and passing exams. And um, then, so then I was like, all right, well now I'm going to focus on being an actor. Mm. So I left Perth at 21 and moved across the country to Melbourne. Yeah. And um, lived there for two years when, I mean, how far we got and then went to China in between that. It was a whole, yeah, how, how, how detailed do you want me to go? I, listen, your story was fascinating. Just doing it in the research room. It was one of the most enjoyable <laughs> ones. It was like, wow, what chapter do we want to go in here? But, uh, okay. So, so when you started modeling, was this like after you moved to Melbourne? No. Okay. So yeah, I started modeling at like 17. Yeah. And that I never thought I was going to be like, you know, I had no delusions that I was like going to be a model, but it was paying the bills. So I was like, cool. So when I moved to Melbourne, I was, um, I was modeling full time and was trying to get like acting roles. Yeah. But I mean, there's nothing going on in Australia. And like my agent would call me and be like, you know, I heard from him twice in a year kind of thing. And he would call me and be like, yeah you know Rachel just got this this sitcom you know Rachel just got a show uh, a show and I'm like cool what about me like I don't care about Rachel like what are we doing <laughs> for me? um and then so when I was over there I got the opportunity to go to China um to model over there for a few months so I was like all right well I guess we're going to China I don't know and then yeah. uh, went to China got deported um because you're not allowed to yeah you <laughs> wait <laughs> rewind okay <laughs> You want to throw that out there. Okay. It's like, a, it's like a, okay. So in China, it's a whole dodgy thing. You, you can't work without a work visa, which is normal, but it's super hard to get a work visa unless you're whatever. I can't remember. I was 21. So what they do is they get you on a tourist visa and then everybody just like sneakily goes over there and goes like, I'm here for tourist reasons. And then they go and like model on the side. And if you get stopped by police, you're not allowed to tell them what you're there for and all this kind of stuff. And so, um, I was over there for three months and was in the process of renewing, sorry, over there for two months and was in the process of renewing my visa for my third month. Just, one month. And just for the record, in case this ends up like on Chinese social media, state run media, we're joking. We're joking here. Uh, regime. No, I, I can go back. It doesn't matter. I think I got banned from the country. <laughs> okay. So, um, just like giving away all their secrets. But I mean, I think I honestly messed it up for every, okay. 
So I'm in the process of renewing for the third time. And I'm in the line at the immigration. Am I incriminating myself? I'm sure it's fine. I'm sure it's fine. Um, and so the, the little assistant who was there with me, normally they go up and they do it themselves and they go, yeah, because, you know, I don't speak Chinese, obviously. Uh, so anyway, so she goes, uh, this is for, normally she would go, oh, this is for her and she would do all the things. But yeah. this time, for some reason, she just like gives me like a pack of sheets and goes like, go. And I'm like, what the fuck? Can I swear? Yeah, of course. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You're in the okay. comedy club right now. Great. So I'm like, what the fuck? And I'm like looking through these documents and they're all, you know, it's, this is so bad. And they're all like forged documents. <laughs> <laughs> they're all forged documents with my name on them with like a fake bank account that says that I, because you have to prove that you have $5,000 in the bank. Da, da, da. It's like a lease agreement. It's all this shit that they just forged to get you there. And so then I get to the front and I'm like, hi, I'm renewing my visa for, for another month. And they, and she gets on the thing, security yeah. comes over and they go, you got to come with us. And I'm like, shit, no, I'm screwed. No. And the then, little room, Chinese version. Literally a little cell, all white, um, in a Chinese immigration. What, this guy comes in with a blazer. It was a whole, it was terrifying. And then on my way, as I'm walking back, I get a call from the agent and she's like, whatever you do, don't say you're working here. Da, 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 da. Don't mention us. I'm like, holy shit, dude. So, Were you scared? Like, holy so shit. Scared. So scared. I'm in a foreign country about to like get arrested for forging a, a visa. I don't know what's going on. Um, yeah. And so they come into the room. They're interrogating me for like an hour. And I am just making everything up. Every question. I've never lied more, even to my mom. <laughs> I was like just making every single thing up. They're like, what's the name of your landlord? How much do you pay your landlord? Why did you come over here? I'm like, oh, you mean... Doug, the landlord, I pay him, what, like, I don't know, yeah. what, I don't know where I'm living or what I'm doing, I'm in a model apartment, I have no, you know, so she's like writing it all down, I'm trying to put on my best Australian accent, pretend that I don't understand what she's mm. saying, but she speaks better English than me, you know, Damn. and I'm just like, holy yeah. shit, someone's writing it all down, and it's all written down in Chinese, and they go, sign this, and I'm like, well, how do I know what it says, and she goes, well, if you sign this, you can leave, but if you don't sign it, you got to stay here, and I was like, Looks like I'm signing a document that I don't know what it says. Oh you know, my God, that's scary. I just signed my life away. I'm like, fuck, and I walk out of there and they're like, we'll let you know what happens or something. Oh, she, no, that's right. She goes, you need you have 10 days to leave the country. And you can't come back and we're putting a red mark in your passport. And I'm like, Bye. Yeah. So I go out, like the agent chick is like waiting in the car or it's, you know, the driver guy. And, uh, and um, they were like, don't worry, we'll figure it out. I was like, I don't, I don't think you can figure this out. And um, I spoke to, my mom had a, like a Chinese kid in her class. She's a te school teacher as well. Uh -huh. so a Chinese kid in her class who, who did Chinese law in China oh, wow. or something. So she asked him, he asked his dad. I emailed the dad. The dad was like, don't worry. I feel like, I think the dad got the red mark taken out of my passport so I can go back maybe in 10 years. But okay. they, they, they still were like, you have to leave in 10 days. Okay. So I, you have like a pink mark. But yeah. Yeah. Maybe orange now, you know, who knows? Like, but I All right. Yeah. Oh my God. That's a great story. Thank you for giving us that. That's <laughs> awesome. That's great. Okay. So, so when you were in Melbourne, you mentioned this uh, unique gigs you did. One of them was Dayglow, the world's largest paint party. Yes. That was. Oh my God. The, the tagline sounds insane. What is that about? It's literally, uh, it's, it, it's ridiculous. Yeah. You just go into like a place and 
everyone's just covered in paint. You can buy things that paint, everyone's just throwing paint at each other. And I think everyone's wearing white as well. Mm. And I'm interviewing this DJ, um, Static Revenger, who's a, an American, he's an American DJ. And this is before I had any, you know, I wasn't DJing or anything. And that's like a big deal. I, th- I, I mean, to be fair, I think he's one of those like American people who made it big in Australia, but maybe not here. Yeah. Okay. And then like, you know, think people go like vice versa. Um, but yeah, that was like a crazy time. And I forgot about that. Yeah. Everyone's wearing white for sure. And covered in paint. It's ridiculous. <laughs> that's great. Okay. And then you get your, you, you get the role, you get a role in Stone Bros, right? Yeah. Is this, is, is, am I in the right chrono- chronology? Yes. Yes. So I've okay. already, yeah, I've already been to China. I've come back. I'm in Melbourne again, and now we're doing Star Wars. Okay. Yes. And for those that don't know, it's a great movie. It's it's basically Harold and Kumar, Australian yeah. version, Aboriginal style. Really, really funny stuff. Uh, this was like a big deal, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, I went. The, I think the only reason I got it was because I was currently in a class with the chick who was casting it. Okay. And they were really looking for this one particular girl, and they couldn't find her, and then. I was in the class and she was like, oh, holy shit, do you want, like, I'm, and then she really pushed for me to get it with the director thing. And then I had to have like three or four auditions and then finally got it. And then that was like my first big like movie role. And I was like, shoot, I mean, I'm in it very, I'm in it very sparingly, but I was there shooting for like two weeks and it was like cool to be on set and like hang with everyone. That's formidable. And you were nominated by the Australian Film Institute for like best young actor or something like, like you're making. I think I was nominated to be nominated. I'm not sure. It kind of, because, because I didn't know until like years later, because I was trying to do my, I was trying to get my visa to come to America mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm trying to find evidence of this. And because it was so long ago, it doesn't exist anymore. And I'm like, yeah. was I actually nominated or was I not? Or was <laughs> I just in the category? Because you know, right. everyone automatically goes into the category, but still I wouldn't think that my part would be big enough to be nominated, but Let's go with, yes, I was nominated and it was great. Yeah, no, you're humble, but yeah, absolutely. So, I, I mean, at this point, I'm sure like, you know, you're pretty, your face starts to become pretty, you know, famous around the streets of Melbourne, uh, right? Not at all. Not at all. means nothing. It means absolutely nothing. nothing. Okay. Nobody okay. Cares. Cool. And when did you move to LA? Oh, you're missing a lot. I'm, I'm missing a lot? 16. Okay, fill it yeah, in. Fill missing, it in. Did I miss the I DJ the era? Well, like, what's going on? Move to London next. Okay. Yes. Let's let's talk DJ era. Um, not gonna yeah. lie, I, f- I, f- I found that last minute. Um, but 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 I know you were killing it. You were doing some really high profile gigs. Yeah, like, I was killing it. Was yeah. Um, I moved to London because I had an English boyfriend at the time, and so he was like, "Well, I my visa's up. I'm moving back." And I was like, "Cool." And then I came, and then we broke up immediately. Cause, of course, yeah, because that's the way it goes. Then I started. Yeah, I started DJing, and it just kind of it was. Oh man, it was awesome. It, it, um, it just kind of, I was, I was getting really good and like in the scene and people were like starting to know me and I was getting booked and all this kind of stuff. And then, um, but it, it, it's not necessarily paid. And so I was kind of running out of money. And so then I got a, like a random email from this agency in, um, Abu Dhabi to be like um, in the United Arab Emirates to come and DJ over there and I was like it's it's for a six month contract in a hotel and that's how they do things is they they contract you out um, okay they get like DJs from different places in the world and they put them in a hotel for six months and they DJ at the hotel nice. every night and I was like well 
looks like I'm going to Abu Dhabi then. And I, yeah. I packed up. I was like, oh, I'm only going to be gone for six months and I'll come back. Never came back. I've got still half my shit in London. Um, oh. Well, yeah, I went to Abu Dhabi. Turns out I'll probably get in trouble for this too because turns out they were like, the, the agency was like not paying people. <laughs> and so it was, that was another terrifying time because I'm again alone in a country that I don't speak the language and I'm like not getting paid by this agency and so then I ha I'm like, what do I do? The only thing that I can do, I haven't been paid for three months, is I make a deal with the hotel. I'm like, hey, I'm not getting paid. Can we just do like a deal amongst ourselves? And then you save money anyway because you're not paying agency fees. Yeah. The hotel said, yes, they paid me absolutely peanuts. The agency gets pissed. I'm like, fuck you, Sarah. You, you know, you'll watch out. I'm going to get you. <laughs> Actually, that guy, when I moved to LA, he found out that I was in this, a certain agency and sent him a letter and was like, she's, she's the, she, he sent me this letter of like, so he sent them a letter of like, don't ever hire this person. And really? I was like, you're, wow. the you're the crazy one. And the fact that you My found me four years later, yeah, is, it? Is, ter is terrifying. Exhibit A. Man, like, okay, like, there should be like a TV show or a series or something about like, just like you getting caught up in this like international uh, weird situations, but like, just because, you know, you're, you're hanging oh, out. I also missed another one. Another one. I got left in France. Someone else scammed me. This chick was, <laughs> so this was in London. We get flown to France for this job. She leaves me in France and flies away with all my money. And I'm like, what are we doing here? When did this happen? What? That's another country. I'm by myself. I don't speak the language and someone's fucking screwed me over. Wow. She was okay. like a scam artist too, and she would get models to do jobs and then pay. She would get, she got like 40,000 euros for this one job and was paying us $15 an hour. And I didn't even see the $15 an hour. Is she still doing this? I think this so. Person? She was doing it for years and years and years. And she's still, oh, she's, man. she's still probably she, doing it. That's shitty. too bad. Oh, shitty, man. She's a good scammer, I guess. <laughs> and you've been, you've been DJing um, from your house during quarantine. I think I saw a broadcast, right? I did it a couple of times and then like no one was watching and I was like, why am I doing this? I'm not Bob Sinclair. Like Bob Sinclair is getting everyone involved. He's famous. He's getting 30,000 people. Yeah. Watching. I'm getting three, three dudes. You know? Here in Miami, David Guetta, like in April, decided to do this thing in his balcony. Wow. It's yeah. like, yeah, what, what, what people, what people don't, didn't see was the cops later like raiding, telling everyone to go home. He didn't oh. broadcast that part. Right. Wow. <laughs> but that's what I mean. David Guetta's doing it. People are going to watch. No one gives a shit. A Sarah in their living room with four people online. You know what I mean? Listen, uh, you're, you're an Ab Abu Dhabi international superstar with nine viewers. Like, that's, that's something <laughs> priceless. <laughs> it's funny okay. that, that nobody else thinks that. <laughs> oh, Sarah, that's awesome. Okay. Um, so let, let's go to LA. When did you move to LA? So I was, in, I was in Abu Dhabi for three months, moved to Dubai. I was in Dubai for two years, moved okay. to LA. So I moved to LA in 2004. So, so accomplished. Like, Jesus, wow. It, it, it was unbelievable. Like, your, your bio is awesome. So 2014, you moved to LA. What did you experience the first time that you moved? Like, I'm sure you visited a million times. What was, like, the, like uh, maybe the first time you got aggravated with something as a local? Like, oh, fuck this traffic or something. Oh, you know? it, it's so hot. When you first get here, it's so hot. It's everything... And they tell, it's weird. It's this weird, like LA is a weird, like I, I love it so much now. I, would, I love it so much. Like I found my people, I found what I'm doing. I'm in a good place. Everything's great. But when you first get here, everything tries to fuck you. And they say like, if you just stick it out, you'll be okay. And that's why a lot of people go home because they get here and they're like, oh my God, it's so hard. 
everything here is so hard and random things happen to you. Like um, I got evicted from my first house because nobody was paying the rent. So I squatted in there for a second, moved in with a boyfriend. My car got broken into, I lost yeah. my car, smashed my car. It just like shit like that. Just, just, it just tries to fuck you. And fuck with you. Sure. Yeah. And, um, but if you stick through it, you know, I only, I was in like some really bad places. Like I've reached complete rough bottom here, but also had the best time in my life. So it's like, depends. And a lot of people now, like during this quarantine, a lot of people have gone home. So hopefully that like weeds out some more people. Um, but yeah, the, f- the first time that I, I was kind of like, I got my nose pierced because I was, I was, I'd been, I don't have it pierced anymore because it looked horrendous. Um, but for like six months or six years, sorry, I was like, I'm going to get my nose pierced one day. And then my car got smashed and I got into the car. My back window was smashed. And there was glass everywhere. And I was like, oh, you know what? That sucks. I've been here for like two months, three months. Yeah. I was like, All right, I'll just drive to the place and get a new window. So I turn my car on and it doesn't turn on. And I pop the hood and they stole the battery. Oh shit! I couldn't yeah. even start the car to move it, and I'm just another like, level, yeah. honestly, that's genius. To be fair, I don't want to promote <laughs> doing that, but like, it, you know, smash someone's car, get the battery. What if you get five bucks for it? It's five bucks you didn't have before. So, like, I get it. Props to you for stealing my battery, but that was that was the kind of when I was like, you know what? Fuck you! I'm getting my nose pierced. <laughs> Worst idea ever. But um, yeah, that was when I was like, all right, I've had enough. And that was three yeah. months. All right. All right, cool. Okay, and your comedy career. I mean, I guess let's transition to that because you are hilarious, by the way. You know, love your material. Everyone watching this, immediately go to YouTube, search Sarah Lawrence Comedy, grab a beer, grab a joint, whatever you're into, and just crack up. I mean, really, Sarah, why are people supposed to do cocaine in a mirror? I don't fucking know, right? <laughs> but, but yeah, tell us about this great chapter. Like, like uh, you're hilarious. Where did this come from? Was this an idea you had before? Tell us about it, the baby steps. Oh, like, funny, because I never, throughout my entire life, everyone was always like, you should be a comedian, you should be a comedian. And I'm like, no, I, I, it does, it, that's not, I never thought about it. You know, like there's people know, like I knew from when I was five, I wanted to be a comedian. I, all these people who like told me, I was always like, it doesn't, it doesn't just because I'm having a laugh with you right now, it's only funny because you know me, we're in the moment, we're telling a story, I said something funny, and that's why it's funny. For me to then translate that story and stand on stage to to four hundred people and be like, Oh, I was hanging with my friend Jenny the other day. How funny is this? It's not funny. And I just never I never knew I never it was never even a thought in my head that that I would do this because I'm like it doesn't translate it's not a thing that I can do I can't make this funny you know I'm funny in real life I'm not funny on a stage and then um when I hit my rock bottom my first one I was like you know what I'm just I'm gonna I had a friend who had done this comedy class and I was like you know what I'm just gonna do this comedy class it's like it's you know who cares I'll just go and like see what happens and um I did it and then I've just never not looked back and everything just kind of fit and I was like oh this is what I'm supposed to be doing this is the thing oh my god this is great these people get me I'm I'm going throughout my whole life everyone's always telling me to shut up or you can't say that or this and that and I'm kind of like well I don't know what to do I'm like I'm not allowed to say anything to people I can't be myself 
And with these people, I can be myself. I can say whatever I want. Everybody gets me. It's so nice to like finally have that and be able to like relax and be my normal self and not have to censor myself. And then um, everything just kind of went really well. It was going so well before quarantine. I was like, the momentum was like this, this, this. this. And, and the whole time I was like, something's going to go wrong. Like, this is way too good. Everything's amazing. <laughs> And lo and behold, uh, everybody's in quarantine. So. Only a once-in-a-lifetime plague could stop you. For now. But, well, for now, yeah. I'm just... For now, I, yeah. Know. Just yeah. recharging. I, in fact, you're probably getting so many, like, new stories. Can't wait to, to see them. Uh, you know, if, if you're ever in LA, you're in the Laugh Factory all the time. And, you know, we hope to see you crossing the country. So you've been so generous with your time. I do want to ask you a couple more questions, Sarah. And oh, then no worries. Let you go. Thank you. Um, so Australia has some unbelievable rock bands or music bands that like for some reason no one knows uh but like they're really good like i don't know birds of tokyo come to mind mm -hmm. uh you know what bands or australian music should people be aware of that they maybe are not i don't really do bands i do more djs obviously okay but, um, djs so this guy i so when i was like raging you know when i'm like 19 in the club or whatever there was always this one dj called mind electric Mm -hmm. shout out and he i was so annoying i would always like he would play a song and i would always go up and be like what's the name of this song and i like write the song down and then we got to know each other because i would always be at the booth and just like talking about music and i think i was subconsciously not even realizing you know finding my passion for what what kind of music i would like but yeah mind electric he's been djing like producing music for like 20 years you know and um also dirty south he's another dj who's great um in australia But that's the thing. And that's why you have me. That's why, you know, I, I left Australia. I don't want to leave Australia. Everyone in Australia is awesome. I love Australia, but there is that ceiling. And that's why it's, it's hard for bands to be known over here because it's only in Australia. It's only played on Australian radio. And, you know, you've yeah. got Triple J, which is a station over there. They play Australian bands. Whereas over here, especially in, in LA, they're only playing rap and hip hop and all that kind of stuff. And yeah. they just don't have that. that. As, as, as much of a culture so it's it's hard to get noticed in another country sure sure no for sure sarah um did you know there's i, I i'm sure you know there's a very prestigious liberal arts college um in new york called sarah sarah lawrence college yep. yes and uh i'm sure you're aware that it's 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 got a some sort of like a sex scandal go with that oh, yeah like, some guy was uh rolling through the, the holes and uh being a bit naughty yes uh, yes okay yeah. okay Yeah, yeah. It must be interesting, you know, to have your name on, on Google for <laughs> Forever Tide. Yeah, well, I wanted to, when I first got here, I didn't know about it. And then, uh, well, I knew about it from, it, it's, it's in the movie 10 Things I Hate About You. They, they mentioned Sarah Lawrence. And then I got here and I was trying to act and I was like, I should change my name. I don't want to be, no, I, I don't want to have that name. But I'm like, actually, it's better. I think maybe because then they, everyone's like, oh, Sarah Lawrence. Blah, blah, blah. It's like, a big contrast, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, It's not good when you Google Sarah Lawrence and it just comes up with a sex scandal. Yeah. <laughs> like college, but um, yeah, I think it's okay. Sometimes people make jokes about it and then like I have a couple of jokes back that I can make on stage. So I think it's funny and it, it makes people remember the name more rather sure, than sure, sure. Rachel Smith or whatever. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh my God, Sarah, this has been so enjoyable. You've been so generous with your time. Oh uh, man, I, I could talk to you for weeks, years. Um, just wish you the best. We should continue success once this is over, man. Yeah, well, fingers crossed. Thank you so much.
Yeah, of course. I mean, you, you've, you've done so much, uh, so young, uh, if I may say so, so many accomplishments. So it's just, uh, can't wait to see what's next. I'm sure you'll be touring the country and uh, making more people laugh. I hope so. That's the next. I really hope so. That's the next thing. So Yeah, yeah. Well, listen, I mean, here in Miami, the, uh, there's some good comedy clubs that, like, you know, national tours come out. And so whenever yeah. you do come, like, we'll, we'll celebrate and, uh, you know, best of luck to you. Thank you so much. I appreciate right. it. Cheers. Take care.